Welcome to Landon Wall and Witty on the road to Qatar. I'm Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. We've got a special episode in partnership with Metal Ark and Levitard and Friends with reaction from Landon Donovan, Chris Whittingham, and me to the U.S. men's national team's 1-0 win against El Salvador on World Cup qualifying match day nine. Landon's in Cabo San Lucas. Witty is in South Florida. I am in frigid Columbus, Ohio, where I'm writing my Substack newsletter, which you should sign up for free or paid at grantwall.com to get my posts in your inbox. Guys, it's great to see you and get the band back together. We got three points to talk about. How are you? Good to see you guys. Yeah, I, I never thought I'd have background envy, but Landon in Cabo San Lucas. My goodness. What, a, what an idyllic background that you have. It is just... Pretty nice. Unbelievable. Before we get going here, by the way, what's it like for you, Landon, when you like walk in the streets of Mexico? Do you still get like reactions? Well, Cabo's a bit different than the rest of Mexico because it's the it's the Baja California Peninsula. So it's got a lot more one it has a lot more Americans, especially Cabo. And then everyone's just really laid back and chill. But most of the staff people here recognized but they're respectful and, and kind and I actually I watched the game yesterday I went over to um like a golf club a few miles down the road with a few Mexican guys that I met here golfing the other day who are like really cool guys but also half Mexican half American so we had the Mexico game up on the top we had the American game on next to it and got to watch the game, which was really fun with both with uh, a lot of those guys. Were you having some fun with the Mexican fans when Ten Man Jamaica yes. went ahead in that <laughs> yes, game? Yes, <laughs> yes, and the room went silent. Uh, there were about six guys in there. They were like, "Ah, U.S. is tied with El Salvador at home." Jamaica just got a red card, and then next thing you know, Jamaica scores. It was a, but then it was a, a pretty eventful last ten minutes there, and you can imagine that place was rocking. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's talk about the U.S. game. And and by the way, another thing to think about: Anthony Robinson now prefers to be called. He said in the press conference, "Jedi." So Anthony goes away. I just wrote Jedi Robinson in the story I filed. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but three points for the U.S in what was kind of a subpar game, but still three huge points. I mean, when it, when it comes to Jedi Robinson, I thought it was interesting that after the game, uh, Greg Berhalter was talking about how much the fullbacks have played a role over the course of this World Cup qualifying cycle, and the idea that those two guys getting forward and providing with, last night it was Robinson and Dest, uh, have played a massive role. And you know, I think Robinson's service can be better from wide areas, but he's been on those back posts areas to, to turn in chances. He actually had two more good chances, although on his weaker right foot to potentially score another goal. So the fact that he played such a role, but I think the overall feeling from the game is even though uh, you mentioned Grant, like kind of it wasn't a great performance, but the XG numbers would tell you otherwise. The XG numbers would tell you that uh, the U.S. dominated last night. That's not really how I felt watching the game. It's one of the few times that my eyes and the stats uh, where, where I'm like, I'm telling the stats, like, settle down. Like, that's not how this game went. It was a it, it was a tough one. And I thought the U.S. had to kind of uh, grind away at it. I didn't love the pitch and how it affected the U.S.'s performance. And, you know, ultimately, it's three points. And I saw this morning that uh, there's a site that's doing, you know, World Cup qualification odds. They have the U.S. right now at 98.8% to go to the World Cup. So the results last night went their way, and that's really all that matters. But I really didn't love the performance on the whole. I want to follow up on the on the outside back. So what happens in the course of a match when you are able to dominate possession and keep a team pinned in, Anthony and, and Serginio can 
take more and more risk, right? And so you end up on one side of the field, you have service. And on the other side, you have another guy ending up in the box. And the only way you can do that is because you had Richards and Walker Zimmerman were so comfortable and so dominant 2v1 for almost the entire game. El Salvador posed no vertical threat behind the U.S., right? So think about Jamaica. You have Mikel Antonio, and you're going, uh, maybe I'm not going to take that risk, right? If he spins me and he's gone, we're in big trouble. They were able to uh, – Robinson and Des were able to bomb forward because they had – and then you have Tyler Adams, too, who's just paroling and putting out fires. They were able to just go and go and go, and it's not surprising to me that it ends up being one of the fullbacks who – who end up scoring the goal to win the game. It's really interesting because, by the way, Chris, the the quote you mentioned from Greg Berhalter where he talked about the fullbacks being the U.S.'s superpower was the word he used. That was my question after the game. Um, and in the last game the U.S. played here in Columbus, the goal was scored, or the initial goal, terrific goal, was by another fullback, Serginho Dest. And that's something that Burhalter pointed out, that the fullbacks, Dest and Robinson, have both scored goals in World Cup qualifying. Robinson now more than one, because he had a very similar goal down in Honduras that sparked that comeback. And even DeAndre Yedlin, he pointed out, has had assists in this qualifying campaign. And so... That's a big part of the modern game uh, and, and what I wrote about in my story off this game that just posted is just about fullbacks that can get forward in the attack. And, and Greg Berhalter's, a, I, I would call him a modern coach. You know, that's a big part of what the U.S. is trying to do. And they have the personnel now in Dest, in Anthony Robinson, who's in terrific form for club level with Fulham too, to do that kind of thing. But like Landon said... Burhalter also mentioned how it's easier to do that if you have confidence in your back line and also the midfielders being able to cover for space, which the U.S. does. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Grant, curious, so how was the field in person? It's interesting because, like, I was having this conversation in the press box with Brian Strauss from Sports Illustrated. I was like, how do I tell, even from the press box, if this field is not in good condition? Because... I don't know if that's something that's easy to eyeball. It didn't look chopped up mm -hmm. or anything like that. It didn't seem like the ball was skittering around or having bad bumps that were unexpected for the players. And so it made me wonder, Chris, what what are you seeing in that regard? And did he, I didn't watch the ESPN broadcast. Did they bring that up with uh, Sam Borden on the sidelines? No, I, I, I was actually watching the game without sound, but it just, so there was a couple moments where you saw players like almost like get stuck. Like I thought Tim Weah was going to tear an ACL at one point when he got like <laughs> stuck in the ground and then kind of came up. He was like grabbing his leg is like something should be wrong after that happened. For me, it just looks super dry. And like there were moments where they're trying to play and the ball is almost being slowed by how dry and obviously it's freezing cold. I, you know, I heard on I, I, from what little of the broadcast I heard, you know, it was apparently warmer on the Thursday night than it, than it was on the Wednesday night. Like it's been really cold and it's really hard. I'm not I'm not criticizing anyone just because it's really hard to maintain <laughs> a, a, a decent playing service in those conditions. But it just, it really felt like it affected the U.S.'s performance. And ultimately, you want to, like, they want to move the ball and move it quickly. And, and I thought it, it allowed El Salvador at times to recover in defensive moments because it just slowed the game down. It's one of those issues where I wish we had a mixed zone situation where I had access to more players like you typically do in a non-virus situation after the game because players walk by and you can interview mm -hmm. like five or six different guys and ask them questions. How was the field? But in this all virtual post-game interview setting, that's basically impossible and nobody asked 
just the couple of players, Jedi and and uh, I'm still struggling to say. That. Yeah, we're and, gonna need uh, some time. I'm gonna need some time with that. But I'm, I, I will call him Jedi, but it, I might laugh every time. In, in due course, in due course. And 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 Tim Weo was the other interview. So I mean, it's. That, that question didn't get asked, unfortunately. So this is the warmest game the U.S. is going to have of these three. The next one's in Hamilton, Ontario, and St. Paul, Minnesota, by choice by U.S. soccer. Uh, and I do want to ask you, Landon, about that decision later on here. No, I want to ask it, you. You had a very opinionated <laughs> view, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> U.S. Soccer is tired of hearing my view on this, by the yeah, way. Same with they've, mine. <laughs> they, they've certainly let me know that. Um, but in terms of the game itself, should Landon should should fans be concerned that this wasn't a great U.S. performance? No, no. no. <laughs> Again, I'm a broken record, and we've been gone for a couple months. Who cares? Who cares? Win the game. I can promise you, when everyone's turning on the TV in November. December and watching the world. Nobody's going to go, oh, but that game against El Salvador was so bad. Nobody cares, Grant. And just get the points and move on. And look at, I mean, look, Mexico were bad and put themselves in real risk of trouble, but they won the game and it doesn't matter. You just move on. And Costa Rica, I didn't watch the game, but I'm guessing it was, you know, pretty ugly game, but they won 1 0 and now they're still alive, right? So you just win the game, move on. Of course, Everybody wanted that to be a three, four, five, zero game, and and everyone's happy. But you got a big one now against Canada, and you win this game. And I think you know, not mathematically, but you're in the World Cup. I think even with a draw in that one, you're 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 probably yeah. just about there yeah. in the World Cup. And at Panama losing last night, all of a sudden you have a four points buffer. They still have to go to Azteca in this window, so you're you're in you're in a really good position. I guess the the only way that I that I would counter what you're saying, Landon, is like I do think there's a certain amount of like winning the hearts and minds of the supporters base that is not necessarily important because ultimately what's important is getting there, but. It, like I think this new U.S. generation or the U.S. taking the next step forward is, you know, dominating in these games. And like people still like I, I heard it last night. I was watching the game with some friends. Oh, it's only one nothing against El Salvador. Like you kind of derisively dismiss El Salvador, which I don't think is true. And I actually think I, I give El Salvador a fair bit of credit for their desire to play in this game. But I think ultimately, in terms of like a, you want to like take a step of confidence in what the U.S. is going to do at the World Cup. You want to see a couple of performances that kind of back that. I thought their performance against Mexico was the greatest example. They played well from start to finish. They, I thought, were were really good in that game. And in some ways, it's kind of the hallmark of the Berhalter era. But I think you want to see a couple more of those before we get to Qatar. If we get to Qatar, we should say that as a qualifier. So I agree with that. I would only say that. Remember that this was El Salvador's basically last chance, right? I mean, they played like this was everything for them, and that makes it that makes it difficult. It, it makes the game real. I mean, they they pressed well. They were they were physical with the U.S. I thought they were very good on the night, and they made it hard for the U.S. And the other piece of this we we have to talk about too is, and I think we should dig into it a little bit when Christian is on his best form. He makes a couple plays in that game that make it two or three zero, I think. And he's the one guy who can, right? And so that was that was a little piece of it too. And then also if the early goal goes in, maybe the game looks different, right? If Ferrer scores the early goal, maybe the game looks different. So there are a lot of factors to it. But in the end, winning the game is what matters. And um they did that. It wasn't beautiful, but but that's okay. I mean that they will they also again, the other thing is thinking ahead, I, they're human beings. 
thinking ahead to this huge game in Canada, whether it's huge in the standings, right? If you lose that game, but you win the other two in this window, it's like, eh, no big deal. But it is a much hyped game against a much hyped opponent. So that's also in the back of their head, too, is like, just get through El Salvador and then we got Canada. I was going to ask you, Landon, about Christian Pulisic's performance because I was all looking forward ahead of this game to what I think are the three best U.S. players, Pulisic, Tyler Adams, and Weston McKinney, being on the field together from the start of a game for the first time in qualifying. I think it was like a three-year gap since the last time all three had started a game together for the U.S. The only time that they had been in the field together in qualifying was the last 21 minutes against Mexico when the U.S. scored two goals and played its best soccer of qualifying. And it was sort of underwhelming last night, I thought, from from Christian Pulisic. And I'm, I'm wondering, is that a carryover from sort of the up and down nature of his club existence in recent months? Um, what what did you see? Yeah, I read the athletic article about Christian the other day, and it was really interesting to, I saw him as more human for the first time. I know that's a weird thing for me to say, but I saw him as more human for the first time in that it seems like he's really struggling there with, with what's going on. And hearing him, I think the quote was, you know, I just want to get back to enjoying football. And, and that really resonated with me because I hit almost exactly at his age, I hit a similar point where it was like, God, this is becoming such a job. I'm not playing. Things aren't going. It was after a bad World Cup I had in 06. And you just wanted to enjoy the game again. And I feel like there's always an arc in your career where that happens. And I think he's getting back to that point. And you could see it in his face last night. Like when there were some close-ups, you could see it's like, it just didn't seem like he's really enjoying it. And he has flashes where even on a, a night where he's a little bit off, he has flashes where he pulls off plays that that could have led to goals, right? Um, but I just, as a human, I want to see him get back to just enjoying because when he does that, he's he's spectacular. I mean, we've never had anyone like that. And he's spectacular. The other thing, real quick, I want to and I want to hear your uh, opinion on this, Witty, too. Is it was interesting because he didn't play in the midfield, central midfield, with those two, with Weston and Tyler. Musa's deserved to keep playing there. So I wonder how that whole dynamic played into it too. And you saw him float inside and try to play inside a lot, but then Musa kind of got nullified a little bit. So they'll have to figure out that sort of piece of it because they need all those talented attacking pieces on the field. Yeah. And it's sort of uh, to, to build on that, like a chain effect in a way where like, because I'm not sure if it's tactical or what Christian is trying to do. I've heard Greg Berhalter talk a lot about, we think that Christian is best in front of goal. We're trying to get him in those positions. But I also think that like when I've seen him at his best for Chelsea, it's playing almost like you know heels on the chalk of the touchline and running at, at a fullback and trying to cut inside and make plays and then subsequently making those movements into the area. So I wonder if, if he indeed played that far out wide, if that would kind of impede Anthony or Jedi Robinson's ability to get forward. And then, you know, are, are you slowing his game down? He's been so good for the U.S. and like uh, the fullbacks having their spaces work for them. But then, as you said, as Pulisic moves more central, I thought Musa didn't have the chance to run the game as he did against Mexico, as he has when he's been at his best for the U.S. So there is that kind of chain effect of at some point, someone's going to have to take a step back 
from their usual role in order to accommodate these skills. I would kind of lean towards, I want Pulisic out wide, and I want Musa to run the game from the middle and then have Robinson kind of join in the attack where he can. But I also understand why, if at the moment, your system of pushing fullbacks forward is working, then why would you mess with it? I mean, after the game, and, and Burhalter talked about this, he did say, we need to get Christian in front of goal. But he also said that he was central too much. Uh, especially in the first half, and that he wants him to get in front of goal by cutting in from out wide. So, um, well, when you play I, a team like that, Grant, too, I mean, there's so many numbers centrally for El Salvador, right? And it just it just made it difficult for him to find any space. Yeah, I, and before we move into a different direction, Lane, I, I did want to ask one more question about when I was listening to Christian talking in the press conference the day before the game about mental health, his mental health, it struck me that there there may be a story there. Christian has actually mentioned several months ago that he he had seen a therapist, which, and I'm glad, I like that he's talking about mental health, but with having experienced mental health situations in your career and being public about talking about that, would you have mm -hmm. any advice, any suggestions for Christian as he goes through something that you just said you went through yourself? Well, I would uh, not just Christian, but for all people, uh, I think there's very few people in the world who can put themselves in Christian's shoes right now. Right. And maybe none. Um, some, some of us who like had the, I'll say the weight of, of, carrying a portion of soccer in the country for a long time. Clint certainly comes to mind. Um, it's, it's a really difficult thing as a human being. Of course, there's glory and glamour and money and goals and all that. And that's the side everybody sees because they don't see when you go home after not playing for three weeks, what it feels like in a, you know, gloomy uh, English country sometimes what that feels like, right? And so I'm very happy to hear that he is speaking openly about it because a lot of people respect what he has to say and listen to what he has to say but it's a very real part of of life it is not a normal in quotes human thing to be carrying soccer in this country at his age that is not that that is not a normal feeling to have and nobody can understand what that feels like so he's um he's dealing with things that are that are not normal for most human beings and it, i'm really happy that he speaks about because a lot of people feel that way at different times in their life and that's important for him i'm sure a video of pond stars calling him the lebron james of soccer is probably not helping there but i mean uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I, I wanted to ask you landon like since you said that there was a period where you kind of felt some similar things i would just ask like what what was that like for you what i guess feelings yeah. is it like like what like what are you kind of describing there it was like i there was a period where i wasn't enjoying it anymore what weren't you sure. enjoying about it well i want to be careful not to i'm not claiming that this is what christian is feeling i'll just speak from my own experiences um but there there's so the arc i went through and i'm guessing christian is similar and maybe geo will be there one day and other young talented players you know freddie adu probably felt this is you all of a sudden you're on the scene and everybody loves you and you're great and you're amazing and you're playing and you're scoring and you're in a world cup and you know in, in my case and or christian's scoring a bunch of goals and qualifying and for chelsea and champions league he wins the champions league but there are times where you know no soccer career just goes up and up and up and up unless you're messi or ronaldo i mean there's there's always going to be down periods look at ronaldo now there's always going to be down periods and when you hit the down 
it can be really challenging because all of a sudden this sort of fake um, praise that you're getting from people that feels real as a human being, you, you all of a sudden realize that those some, same people are being like, ah, you haven't played for three weeks for Chelsea and you were bad against El Salvador. And so all of a sudden as a human being, you feel that it's not enjoyable anymore because you're going through that. Right. And my experiences were after the world cup in 06, I had been, I had been the best thing since sliced bread up until that point. And I have one bad world cup, which is a big deal by the way. And all of a sudden I hear people talking about how terrible I am and I let the country down and I let the team down and all that. And then you have to take a step back and say, okay, is this really worth it? You know, is it, is it worth feeling that way? And ultimately the answer for me was yes, but it, that was a challenging time. So again, I'm not comparing it exactly to Christian, but it, it is, it does make me wonder if, if those are some of the things he's feeling too. I am the master of the bad segue, so I'm going to have a transition now into. I'm, I'm, I might put a commercial of... break here, just so that you're not you're not the one who has to do that. From, from deep thoughts about life and Christian Pulisic too. What do you think of Jesus Ferreira in this game? Well, I want to know what you guys first thought. I mean, we were texting last night a little bit. That was the one surprise we all saw. Yeah, for for me, for me, I I kind of felt like. He did a lot of the things that he was asked to do, I would imagine. I actually think that probably the greatest skill that he demonstrated last night is like the calm and composure to still execute important passes from within the penalty area. Like that's uh, that requires a composure that I'm not sure a lot of U.S. center forwards have. And I think he demonstrated it last night. He demonstrated some of those skills. I think what a lot of people will harp on are, are the two missed chances. One, by the way, is created from his own skill. He receives the ball from the left side, has to take a t first touch around the defender, kind of perfectly dinks it so he can take that left-footed shot. But that second one, which was the cross that came in, took a flick off of Wea and lands to him on the back post. It's just like a classic center forwards. Can you execute in front of goal in the six-yard area? And he didn't. And those are the moments that he'll be judged upon. But I would say for the whole... I thought he did what he was asked to do. I thought he demonstrated the skills that he probably was picked to demonstrate. And I, I was not down on his performance at all, despite the fact that he didn't score. I would have liked to see him finish, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Grant, are you convinced that that he was he played last night because he was what Greg thought was the best choice for this game? Or was there some thinking ahead to to other games? Yeah, this is where I wish we as as journalists as a body post-game had, had asked Greg Berhalter specifically, not just what did you think of Jesus' performance, which was asked, but why did you choose to start him over mm -hmm. Pepe and what was your thinking there? Because I'm curious to see, does or that Giassi, mean... Or Giassi in Columbus. I mean, that's not a bad, that's not a bad idea. And, and he, also, so. he also didn't even put... Pepe on as the sub. He, it was a DNP for, for Pepe. He put Zardes on with 20 minutes to play. Right. I mean, as I understand it, there's no injury situation with Pepe. And so it makes me think that he's going to start against Canada, which is a high-profile game. But I do kind of wonder what Pepe's own sort of confidence level is right now because he's gone mm. straight into a Bundesliga relegation battle for a team that is not a lot of fun to watch, trust me, I've been watching them. <laughs> and and that's and he's getting these like really negative ratings from kicker, you know, over in Germany, uh and and here you come back and you train with the US team and you've been starting games and suddenly in the first game you don't play a minute. So 
I, I do think that's an interesting thing. No, definitely. And I, as I, I think I've said a few times on here over the time, we don't have all the context. So I'm, I'm simply asking the questions and, and throwing out some <laughs> ideas that a, a coach might go through. But in the end, it could, it could have been a mix of a lot of things, right? Maybe Pepe's not in great form, which I don't think he's in great form right at, at Augsburg. There's another piece of this. This is the first time he's flown across the continents to come into a match. So you don't know how that is a challenge in and of itself. Like that's worth a podcast by itself about how challenging that is. <laughs> um, so you don't know how he arrived, what, you know, how, what his sleep patterns were like. Did he, did he feel comfortable? And so it's hard to know. So maybe, maybe they just said, listen, I've been with, with Ferrer for the last whatever month in camp and whatever, and he's in good form and we'll just go with it. Right. Or they, or Greg might've been thinking ahead. You never know. He also described uh, Rays and the intensity, Pepe did, uh, in playing in the Bundesliga as opposed to MLS. He said, like, this is a lot more intense. So you wonder if, like, he's still kind of recovering from that. Yeah, I, I would just kind of be curious from your perspective, Landon, just as a, as a coach now, as a manager, it feels like his situation is one that you have to manage, right? On-field, off-field mentality. That feels like one where you have to make deliberate decisions over the course of, an, uh, of a national team camp with Pepe. No question, and... From my again, I don't have the context. I'm not there every day. My outside perspective is Pepe is a player who needs to be filled with confidence all the like most of us fickle goal scorers are. <laughs> we need to be filled with confidence all the time. Um, but him, him especially, right? Because he he can really score. Like he can fill it up very streaky, and he can score two or three or four like in a second. And so getting him going again is probably one of Greg's you know, big challenges right now is how do we find his form? Not necessarily through the next five games of qualifying, but he's a guy who can, he can be lethal in a world cup, right? If he makes the team and he gets in front of goal, he is a killer. And so I don't, I don't think there's another striker like him on the U S roster. So they need to find a way to get his confidence flying. It's going to be hard at Augsburg because they're just, they're not a team that creates a lot of chances. He's probably not going to have the opportunity to score a bunch of goals they're in a relegation battle, so they're not playing pretty soccer, and, and he's got to find a way to, to get form back. Any final thoughts, guys, about the U.S. team as it heads to Canada for this showdown? Well, for me, I, I was I was interested in for, you know in Chris Richards getting the start in center back over Miles Robinson. Um, that's probably a trio that will probably evolve over the course of the camp. But I, I would say, like, if we're talking about things that were positive about this performance, I would definitely say defensively, this is a really strong performance. I thought Matt Turner was hardly involved in the game. There was that one kind of longer distance ever from Alex Roldan. That's really the only time I felt like the U.S. was under threat. I thought Serginho Dest in particular, like there are times where defensively he has not been as up to the challenge, particularly against these CONCACAFI kind of opponents, but he was. I thought there was moments where he read the game really well. I thought he was sharp defensively. Uh, and, you know, in terms of like from a management standpoint, I'm also curious what's going on in, in Matt Turner's head at the moment, because uh, I saw after the game, he signed an Arsenal jersey. I guess someone was smart enough to bring one and bring it close to the tunnel. That's probably where he's heading next. Uh, and just overall, that goalkeeping situation where now you're probably going to have a pair of players that are not playing week in, week out. Uh, probably, you know, it, it, like come the fall, uh, it seems like Turner is going to stay with the, uh, with the New England Revolution until the summer transfer window. But either way, for me, the idea that you have Matt Turner back there, he's in kind of a meteoric rise in his career. Uh, there's a lot of guys whose career right now are evolving as they move abroad and as uh, their their lives change playing with the national team. This will be a uh, this will be a really interesting game. On I'm getting my days with Sunday. Sunday, yeah. 
on Sunday. Yes, a good defensive performance, but that's El Salvador, right? Canada have some horses, right? Like they have some very, very good players. And it's going to be a fascinating game to watch. I can't wait for it. I think on, is it Wednesday, Honduras? Yep. Yep. That's where the U.S.'s depth will really shine through. And, and that should be should be pretty straightforward. But the game on Sunday is going to be, it's going to be really fun to watch. So grab your popcorn. Um, looking forward to doing it again on Sunday night, guys. But that's going to be, uh, that's going to be as good a game as we'll see, I think, in this whole qualifying cycle. All right. Thanks, guys. Great talking to you. Looking forward to Sunday. Thanks, good Brian. to see you guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.